Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast all about following Watford Football Club. You know that. That's why you listen to us every week. Hopefully you listen to us every week. Uh, my name is John. Uh, with me on this Saturday evening after Watford's nil-nil draw away at Preston is Mike. Absolutely amazing Preston start, isn't it? Five games, four nil-nils. Uh, and the only goal, that, the only game they've been involved in has been a, a one nil win away at Luton. I can't get it out of my head, the fact that, that f- out of five of their games, four of them have been nil-nils. Because, Michael, mm. we know there was no Saar. There was no Pedro. He didn't get on the bus. Saar got on the bus and he didn't play. And yeah, of with course... his knife and fork. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean while, while, we, while we're talking about sort of figures, we've gone from three to two to one to zero, haven't we? I remember yeah. speaking on the opening day, seeing out, seeing Saar, Dennis, and Pedro out there on the pitch for Watford. It was, it was, it was weird. It was a, it was a mind boggler because he just didn't expect it to happen. And then we went down to two of them playing. Then we've gone down to one of them playing, and finally today <laughs> we've made it down to to zero of them playing. It's um, the the whole month really has been. It's just been quite peculiar, hasn't it? Really. Yeah, we'll talk about the the transfer business a bit later on. But this game, mm. you know, it, it was nil nil, and as we will probably, and it real feels like this is the thing we're going to say a lot this season. Jason always says, "You win your home games, join your away games, and you'll you'll get promoted." And that's sort of all right. And I think I'm all right with it. This today, today, I'm all right with it, just because of everything like we've just you've just sort of started mentioning the the, the hoo ha about mm-hmm. who's here, who's going. Because at the moment, only one player has gone out of those three. Dennis is the only one that has gone. Um, yeah. And I don't know, at the end of that game, did you feel frustrated by what you saw? Or because there was a chance of we could take something from it? I think what it has done has hastened my desire just to get through this month and get to the start of September so we know what we're actually dealing with. And I'm sure the same goes for fellow supporters, the Watford squad and Rob Edwards. I think we just need to get through it so we know where we're at and we can we can plan accordingly, add our expectations accordingly. We, we know what we're going to be dealing with. In terms of the game in and of itself, am I frustrated that we didn't come away with the with the win? Maybe I think Rob Edwards says it in said it in his post match interview. He said of of the chances that were created, of which there were you know let's be honest, precious few. Watford probably had the better ones, uh, and I think Rob Edwards was pretty honest, saying that that Bayo and and Manai he would have expected at least one of the chances that they had have had to 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 go in. So on on that basis, yeah, you've got to be a little bit frustrated that we didn't get the the win. Balance that against the fact that it's another away point, another clean sheet, uh, five games in, undefeated. I think we're second in the table. So there's lots to um, like about that. The fact that against this backdrop of tumult and uncertainty and just what vague chaos, really, they're actually digging in quite nicely. They're uh, they're throwing their bodies on the line. Still, we're getting that commitment and effort that Rob Edwards spoke about. He, he mentioned that to us at the start of the season, didn't he? When we spoke to him, that that's a non-negotiable, and we're and we're definitely getting that. So, so they're positives, but I think that the, the overarching feel for me, John, is when you look at that side today. There, there were bright spots. There were definite bright spots, which I'll I'll come on to. But if you look at the bench, in terms of what Rob Edwards had at his disposal to, to change a game if it wasn't going his way, we had Gaspar, uh, Trustikong, Gosling, Pollock, Okoye, Hungbo uh, and Shaq Ford. And you look at that bench and think, well, who is going to come on 
and, and, and change a game. And there's not much there, really, without all due respect to those, um, to those seven players. Did you think you and, had players who could change a game on the first four games of the season? Well, I think we had a, we had a better-looking first eleven. I think, to, because okay. we had either three, two or one of, uh, of João Pedro, Ismael Assar and Emmanuel Dennis. Now, let's be clear, none of them really have pulled up any trees no, so far no, in this championship season. We're, we're only five games in, but it, at least you feel like you, you're asking that question of the opposition because they know they're looking down at, the, uh, at Watford's lineup and think, well, Assar can beat us for pace, Emmanuel Dennis can do us for nutmegs and João Pedro is not going to give anyone a minute's piece. No, do Whereas they? You look at, Honest to God. Do they? Because they... Yeah, I think so. They, I haven't watched Preston this year. I haven't watched any of our teams that we've played so far before they played us this year. And I, there's no way I can honestly say that's exactly what those players think when they go into that game against Watford. They would have done They would have done so much more homework, so billions more hours of homework compared to what I do in terms of watching a team and understanding it. I, As most football fans, I think we just play off this thing. They don't sit there and go, oh, we could do us a pace. They sort of go, oh, he could do us a pace, so we're going to do this. We're going to try and sort it out. And Preston really felt like one of those teams that we're going to come up against this season who have their way, they stick to their guns. Unfortunately, at this point for them, they make keep, they're not letting goals in. They're not really scoring them either. But we're going to come up to lots of different games like that. And I suppose that's why maybe you're right about the whole idea about some sort of, well, you, you know, an individual to do game changing. But it doesn't have to be an individual necessarily. It could be easily be a, a, a different way of playing, a different attack, a different approach that Rob might have to his armoury. But again, he's still trying to sort out the, the first approach. Hmm. Sorry, just having a little sip of water there, John. You were on a roll, so I thought I'd take uh, take the opportunity to hydrate. But you know, going back to that, I think when they found, you know, news broke last night, didn't it, that João Pedro wasn't travelling, and that would have been music to, to Preston's ears. They'd have been right round. They'd have been the manager would have been on the phone to the assistant manager, uh, and speaking about how that changes their their game plan in terms of what Watford had on the pitch today, and combined with the substitutes, what 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 the options were in terms of changing the game. Watching it, we felt quite anonymous. We felt like a championship football side this afternoon. To to me, there were some. Let's. I'm going to run through the bright spots quickly. I think uh, Yasser Aspria is is clearly a a, a sublime talent. Uh, some really really wonderful passes. One of which unleashed Ray Manet for his his one on one, which he he fluffed his lines for. I think Aspria is 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 absolutely sensational. I thought Kamara. Did really well yeah. down the right, still playing in his uh, on the wrong side. He was one of the major, major bright spots for Watford in terms of making some progress from front to back because that's still where we we're really struggling. So I thought I thought Kamara was was good, and I actually thought that that Kayembe looked all right today as well. That he was uh, he found himself in more advanced positions, which um, he hasn't done previously. He's, he's showing for the ball a little bit more. Uh, in that final third, and whilst yes, the the end product wasn't wasn't necessarily there, I think he proved himself to be a sort of one of the more eye catching players. I thought on on today's performance, and Dan Backman as well. He he had to pull out a number of of decent saves yet again in every game this season so far. There's probably been a a, a save that Dan Backman would happily put on his on his highlights reels. So there were some 
there were some highlights there and, and some not insignificant ones. I think certainly in the case of Espria, who the more he plays, the better he will get. It will be a, a steep learning curve, but I think he'll get there quickly. His appetite is obviously there. The skill is obviously there. And he'll learn about the, about the championship very, very, very quickly. There are some high spots there and some, some things to be pleased about. But the side as a as a as a piece on today's showing alone, if you were only going to watch today's game, say if you were a um, who were Watford playing next, I don't know. Say if you're a Milton Keynes Dons fan, yeah. watching watching today's game ahead of the cup tie, you'd be like nothing really there to to worry about. And I, you know, I'd I'd be inclined to agree with them. It's so contradictory. We're doing really really well in terms of points and clean sheets and, and and league position, which ultimately is all that matters. If we're in that top two or if things don't quite quite go so well, the, the top six, we're in with the chance of promotion. That's all that matters in this division. So on one hand, we're, we're ticking that off. On the other, there is so much, so many questions and they, they seem to increase. The list seems to get bigger with each passing game. Um, than than shorter and and John to be honest I think it all comes down to what this squad is going to look like come the first of September because as it stands for me it looks well short of being able to um, mount a serious promotion campaign over the over the course of the the season that contradicts what I've just said because this team this team this squad is doing just that so far it's pretty much doing what's been asked of it. But I think what we're seeing is, I think, is it fair to say there's more concerns than sort of things to celebrate? I don't know. Let me let me ask you that. Well, that, yeah, that is, you've sort of said two things I don't think I would have said. I wouldn't have said celebrate. I don't think I would have said concerned. Um, not overly concerned at this point. You know, I saw exactly the performance I would have expected exactly the performance I would have expected. Mm. There were chances, and I did like the fact that we did make those chances against a different team. It would be a different sort of performance. So I'm not I'm not complacent about it. But like you say, something needs... The, the window needs to stop. Then Rob knows what he's got. And then we know what... We, we can, as Watford fans, we can start calming... Not calming down even. Just start getting our temperament and our thoughts and our expectations just to start to get them all lined up a little bit and that's the hardest thing we can't because if one of those players let's say what if Jao Pedro or, or Saar even though the rumours are now kicking in about him going to Aston Villa if if one of them stays it will just change your expectations yeah. but it doesn't mean that they're going to be that important to us because it's a team game and it's important that you have good players who can do their special moments. And we know Saar can do that in this league because he did it for us two years ago. I, I, I think you're right. I think that, that that is true. But if you look at the way we're playing, so Rob Edwards knows what he's got to play with today. And it might not be the, well, I'm almost certain it's not the, the squad or the that he would like to choose from because we know there's players not available. But you have to get the best out of what you've... Got and he's having to change week in week out. Right to, from what he said in his post-match interview, he had to make changes today. Yeah, the yeah, idea on the was hoof. that Saar yeah. was going to be playing. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. you can sort of see that a little bit with with how they played in the in the game. It took you know, the first twenty minutes or so. Mm. Things had definitely changed. That Watford weren't. It didn't seem to be really. It was, it was a bit messy. They weren't really playing to a game plan. But as this, the half went on, well, they started sorting themselves out and they got a bit more comfortable with. 
with what and how they were going to play the game of football and it continued into the second half. Yeah, and I think they did grow into the game. And but but my concern would be you mentioned game plan there, John, and we you know we've got Semmer and Kamara as what effectively wing backs who they really they struggled to to make any inroads. Really, I think Kamara got got better as the game went on, and, and I think the, the concern for me is that it's been a recurring theme. the The balance of the of the side has always felt imbalanced. It, it, it hasn't felt like we've got a discernible style of play it hasn't felt that at any stage we've managed to um, impose ourselves on a game perhaps with the exception of the first 20 minutes away at, at Birmingham City it feels so it doesn't feel to me like we're getting a a, a blueprint any sort of DNA any sort of like we know how we're going to play and yes you're absolutely right to, to bring up Rob's comments about um about having to change the team late on because one player or another feels like they're not they're not a hundred percent fit. He he you know he has to he has to react to that. But you know, when you're training, it's a it's a squad game. You you know there's chance people are going to get injured, people are going to get suspended, uh, people are going to leave. So you have to be able to in you have to be able to adapt to that. And it, my my concern is, and not to overplay it, because I'll go back to it again. I think we're second in the league, <laughs> another clean sheet, another point away from home. We, if we carry on in this trajectory, we'll be in the shake-up, which is which is what everyone wants. But in terms of how we've played, I, you know, the games have been interesting in different ways. But I've never come away from any of the five games so far thinking, "Cool, this is this Watford this Watford side are, are ticking. If we can just do this or do that, we're going to be a real." A real challenge. They, they just seem to be a bit of eleven players on the pitch again at the moment. And I think what's getting us through is that you know they're all up for it, evidently, which is which is really good. But in terms of like the patterns, in terms of the style of play, in terms of the questions we're asking the opposition, in terms of imposing our style and will on on games, I'm I'm not seeing that. And but would you expect well, it? Because I don't. I wouldn't expect. Well, it yeah, that's point. a question. That's I'm not question. expecting it. I'm not expecting it at all. New manager, many changes. We had someone. I put. We put up a funny little thing, a bit, you know, a bit silly on our Instagram and on our socials. You know, in fact, if after the Birmingham game, if we kept going the way we would, we'd be on 92 <laughs> points because we would have won 23, we'd have drawn 23, we would have scored 23, uh, scored 46, and let in 23. And it was just like a lovely sort of. You know, moment of uh, of, uh, of symmetry almost to to the season so far, and and someone came back to me, uh, Chimpy Chimpy sixty one. He said, "It's you know at the moment the problem is there's another manager, uh, or the manager is going to have to you know throw out his his plans in, out the window and you know forget his plan A." I don't think what we started the season with was his plan A. I think that was his plan B, C, or maybe D. Because he didn't expect, because we didn't expect to see uh, Eshmael Asar and. Dennis to start that season so he's been already making changes and trying to you know this squad that's in flux but trouble is we're saying or some people are saying it's a it's a terrible thing and I'm sure he is as well but he's a professional footballer former professional footballer professional football manager who knows how the system is he knows what happens and so he knows for this couple of weeks he's gonna have to see what he's got and gone right what have I got Right, let's mm-hmm. do that. What have I got? Let's do that. Oh, there's someone else yep. coming in. All oh, that person's left. Let's just sort that out. And he's got to roll with the punches. And that's why I'm actually satisfied 
at this point because of where we're sitting winning home games drawing away games in the, the, the you know this fluctu- fluctuation that we're in we're still being productive and you hope and you dream that when hmm. the players that leave the players they then bring in to uh, to replace them uh, or to to play those roles that they will fairly swiftly find a a place and a, a way of working together where they can be successful. And I don't necessarily yeah. mean, you know, you said you didn't get away, you weren't coming away from any game so far feeling excited or feeling that we'd romped it. Well, maybe that isn't how we're going to get promoted. Maybe that isn't being romping and dominating games. Maybe it's we're going to be quite boring, but we, we are successful. I have been excited by the games because they've all been they've all been tense. The, the, the games themselves, I've I've enjoyed, but for different reasons. I I haven't seen Watford establish themselves, but I think John, I love that phrase, and I think it's it, it's it's one that we could all well, I could certainly learn from with this as we as we move forward. Roll with the punches, I think, is absolutely right. We're going to we're finding things as we've already spoken about on this podcast and previously. We don't know what's going to happen. We just we and we've got no uh, no control over it either. So we've got to roll with the with the punches and try and just sort of go with it and and make the best of it. And but more pertinently, you're right about Rob Edwards. He is the job of a manager is probably you could probably when you're a football head coach job description roll with punches that 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 that, that yeah. probably sums it up nicely and and rob edwards is very much in the, in the deep end when it comes to and also it's the it's the big uh, heavyweight fight tonight isn't it it's uh, yeah. anthony joshua against usick tonight we're recording this on the saturday so well done very uh, uh maybe eddie hearn can come on the podcast at some stage <laughs> but um i think i think that's a good phrase and i think it's 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 simple but effective. It, it describes how we've just got to get through this, and if we can roll with the punches whilst winning each round, which we're we're kind of doing. If you see winning your home games and drawing your away games as being successful in each round in boxing parlance, then then we're on course for a, for a points victory, which would be would be absolutely absolutely fine. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. The uh. Chitty chatter uh, around Watford uh, on the WSU, uh, as I'm now calling it, the Watford Socials Universe. Uh, about it, sort of really went off a little bit the other day when Jao Pedro or the news of Jao Pedro leaving. We all expected potentially Ishmael, leaving. Potentially leaving, correct? You know, we all expected Ishmael Asar to leave. Um, he's done his job for us. He's shone. He's worth a certain amount of money. We know that he's going to be sold. But this whole thing of Dennis or even Cucho, Dennis. Saw, and if Pedro went as well, it really made a lot of Watford fans unhappy. It did it in several different ways. You know, the reaction was either they were going, it was pathetic, it was it's embarrassing, it's not backing the manager. Someone even said that it's the club is cancerous. I'm thinking, no, 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 no. That's a little bit too far. Or you do get people saying, well, that's good money for someone who's still a little raw. That's really good money, and it's the pots who's doing their business. And they're the sort of two camps people sort of fall into. But I don't actually think that's what's happening. On socially, on a short message, you can be put into that camp or put into that camp. But actually, we know as football fans, I know, you know, Mike, and everyone listening knows that actually we have a little bit of each of those things and we understand everybody and what we might be feeling. But you asked a question to me. You said, is this selling of Pedro a glitch or is it a feature of Watford? Is you know part of what Watford is all going to be about? It's... It's got to be the latter, really, isn't it? Or is it a glitch to you, Mike? 
No, I think it is a, a feature. And I, I, what I, I do want to make the point before we move on, you mentioned the WSU, the Watford Social Universe. I do like that. I think we'd all do well to remember that if you reached 100% of people that are on social media, it would still be a minuscule, minuscule percentage of people out there in the real world. And I think in this modern day, it's very easy to be consumed by messages and pervading feelings or opinions on, on social media, when the reality is social media represents a minuscule percentage of what is quite frankly the re the real world so a uh, uh, flag in the sand in in that regard but on to to Jao Pedro and Ismail Assar and Emmanuel Dennis before him I think transfers are when it comes to Watford certainly the the plan is pretty simple you find someone that no one else has found you buy them at a well let's call it what it is you get them cheap you get some years of service out of them, hopefully that, that send Watford on an upward trajectory, but also that their players' uh, career tra trajectory is in the same ascent as Watford's. Um, and having helped Watford, they're then sold for a profit. That's basically the way it, it's going to go. You join Watford, you're in the shop window, you play well for Watford, you help Watford, you get your move. That is effectively how it works. We're going to talk about, you know, we asked what were the, the um, best transfers ever uh, for, for Watford. And John Barnes came up a lot. We got him for a bag of balls from Sudbury Court and he went on to Liverpool. So it's not a new concept. Um, David James went to, went to Liverpool. People move on. So and I don't think any Watford supporter would would argue with that. They would recognise that player comes in, player performs well for Watford when the time is hopefully right player moves on what is the problem at the moment the issue that Watford have had is that we've had some of these guys come in uh, let's take let's take Sar and Pedro as, as as two examples and in their relatively short Watford career Watford have been relegated twice so relegation brings with it a whole host of issues financially for the club and uh, that just need dealing with just a whole host of logistics that make life very very difficult Getting relegated was never in the plan when we signed Ismail Assar for 30 million quid. It was never in the plan when we brought uh, Jao Pedro to the club. That that muddies the waters. The same thing happens with their career trajectory. It hasn't gone on the straight line that they'd have hoped. So if, take Ismail Assar, for example. He signs for 30 million. His view would have been, I play for Watford for two, three, four seasons, do well there, get picked up by a Champions League club. That hasn't That hasn't happened. The same is now sort of starting to happen for for João Pedro. There's obviously he's obviously um, uh, attracted interest from from Premier League clubs. So now we find ourselves in a situation where we're waiting for these players probably to go, but because they haven't had the career yet that we expected them to have, and they expected themselves to have, the money isn't coming flooding in from Manchester United, Liverpool or Arsenal, like we would have expected for these, these players. The idea is that they, they play well, the big boys come, they pay the money, off they go. The circle of life continues. It hasn't happened like that. There hasn't been that, that, that linear, that line upwards. So we have been forced to wait. The players have been forced to wait for, for these potential transfers. 
Um, and that's what's made it incredibly difficult because they still represent a gamble. Zhao Pedro, you know, if you talk about social media, but you see Newcastle fans questioning whether he would be a good signing for, for 30 million. Watford fans would say yes. Newcastle fans would say it's too big a gamble because what's he done so far? Um, so we haven't got the superstars, as in they're not pre-packed, they're not on the shelf as these superstars who have done this, this and this over three years in the Premier League, assists, goals, they're the contributions, They've what this is what they've done to Watford over over the it, overall. So they're a tougher sell, but the reality is they're still probably going to be going. Um, and I think it's just we've had to wait longer for the, the firm interest to come in. And, and this gets to the crux of the matter, which is I think most Watford supporters will accept that these players will come in, play for Watford and leave. What's important for us as supporters, for where the most important thing is, is what happens on the pitch. How are they going to be replaced? That is the, that is the big question. So if the money comes in with 10 days to go in the, in the, in the window... But that 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 we can't really we can't do much about that. Other clubs will only bid the amount that we will accept when they're going to bid it. We can't. We're not. We're not selling them at a car boot sale. But then we're in this position where fine. We've got say thirty million quid for for João Pedro, the twenty million up front, whatever. If Ismail Assar, it looks tonight like the Villa are, are in with with twenty twenty five million. How do we? We don't know how much of that money is available. We don't know the structure of the deal. But there, you have to assume there is a chunk of working capital there. How do we use it? What are the replacements? And I think that is the thing that sets people on edge. They're going. That's fine. Who do we get instead? And I think that is the that's the anxiety that is manifesting itself in the way you you discussed. Well, I mean, I the thing I sort of see two bits. One is that. And people wanting to know, oh, we don't mind, you know, we, we, we want you to tell us what you're doing. Tell us, tell us everything. Well, they can't. These are million pound deals that they are never going to have. They can't share. They can't give you an update. Oh, yeah. Well, we got a, an email from uh, from Newcastle. They said 23 million. We said no. They can't do it because it's a business. And I think that's the real frustration is that fans just want to know what's going on. If you could whisper in our ears and we promise not to tell anybody, that would be a different situation. But of course, we know that doesn't happen that way. And I think the other part of it is actually the, the more personal part of it. You mentioned there about Newcastle fans saying it's a gamble. You know, what for fans trying to justify, especially when, you know, you know Forrest are, are paying the money they're paying for players. You know, they think we, we know, we think that Jao Pedro is so much better than, than Morgan Gibbs-White. It's it's it, they were in that thing where we're comparing, but again, there's so many factors that come into this. The buying club, who are they? How long's left in a contract? All that sort of stuff. And I, I don't, I know it goes on. I don't understand it though. So it, it, they're, they're, they're the massive problem fans are having. But I think if anything, if we could, if they get the deals done in this this next couple of days, they will have their time to sort out the deal. But remember, they're not just sorting out the deal. They're not going. All oh, right, cool. We've got ten million to spend. Right, where's that list? They know the list. They know the list up by the back of their hand. They know what they want to go for. They know where they're going to go. They've probably put feelers out for probably 100 players, maybe. Or they've spoken to agents <laughs> all the time about loads of different players. They know the possibilities. They know the chess pieces. They just don't know if they're going to have to have to move them yet. I think it's important to, to recognise there's a visceral, emotional reaction to seeing your best players leave your football club. You know, I, I bet you if you ask the Hornet shop who are the top three names on on shirts 
perhaps Hassan Kamara would be in there, but Jao Pedro would be up there. Last season, Dennis would be up there, and you know, Saar is probably the most talked about Watford player in the last in the last sort of three or four seasons. Well, they had the longest queues for autographs at the Junior Hornets <laughs> fan day, so that's my yeah, way of gauging popularity. Who had the longest queue? And let's hope it wasn't an opposition club with a sort of contract folded up and <laughs> stuck, stuck into a. Ah, we've got you. <laughs> but it's but there is a you know, we are emotional beings as football yeah. supporters. We are often irrational. You know, you wouldn't spend the amount of money and time on on any other hobby. It's we're all we're all crackers. And but that visceral reaction to your best players going because ultimately you want to turn up to watch your team play and you want them to be good. You want them to beat the opposition and you want them to be excited and you want them to be flair. And when those players disappear off into the horizon for big fees. Your question is understandably right. They've gone. You've done the business that we recognise as the model. Now what? And I think that that is perfectly reasonable. And I think I'm going to say it again. It sort of manifests itself in that slightly edgy, nervous, worried sensation. Because if you if you overlay that to the to the side we saw today, if that's the side we're going to have for the rest of the season, it's not massively inspiring for me. Especially when you're considering we, what what we started with and uh, and and what we've potentially sold, so I, I I get it. I get that sort of general antsy feeling, but we're just going to have to we're just going to have to wait and wait and see. I don't think personally there's some Machiavellian um, scam to to get as much money to asset strip Watford and to take as much money out of the club as possible. I I don't see that. I I see the the football club as an asset. To, to Gino Pozzo and that asset will be worth a lot more if it's in the Premier League uh, you, the way to get into the Premier League is to have decent players but the ball is whatever camp you're in whichever the way you whichever way you look at this the ball is going to be in their court because the best players will have left we've seen ourselves that in the five games um, so far this season the challenges that, that we already face they have to be addressed we can only wait and wait and see as supporters, but there are people reaching for the popcorn to see to see what happens, and it's <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. And I think we're going to have to do that thing, John. We're going to have to roll with it. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Next week uh, is the start of the celebrations for 100 years of uh, Watford playing at Vicarage Road. Uh, and next week, in fact, on the podcast next week, even though I'm going to be in Greece sunning it up, uh, I have recorded a chat with Jeff Wickham, who's written a book all about it. Uh, and lo- I mean, it's a, it's a, I've seen some printouts of it and stuff, but the pictures in it are wonderful. So you can get a copy of that uh, next weekend uh, at the Hornet shop. Uh, but it also... There's going to be lots of stuff going on at the pitch, I think, at the QPR game and at the Middlesbrough game. I don't know what, but apparently things going on. The other thing, of course, that's coming up in a few weeks is the Taylor Trek. Uh, it's coming up the end of September, and it's sort of celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Watford Community Sports and Education Trust. Uh, it's going to be... There's loads of different walks, aren't there, Mike? There's like there's, there's a, a kids' one, there's a family one, and then there's like a, an 18-mile, an 18-and-a-half-mile one, which I've signed up for. Um, it's a yeah, which is like the, the long walk. Um, it's a long walk to well, I don't know where. So there's a medium route, 
Um, and then there's also a family route. So the medium route is about eight and a half miles. The family one is about three and a half miles. But the idea is yeah. that you know they're going to be raising money for the community trust. And apparently this is like one of the first times they've done a big event like this for the trust to sort of try and raise this money. I've signed up. Mike, you're signing up, aren't you? Aren't you? Absolutely. Absolutely correct. I am. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm excited about this is because you uh, regular listeners will remember when we did the... Um, the march uh, to to Wembley for for prostate cancer yeah. a couple of years ago. We that was tw- that's twenty six miles, and we did that together as a as a as a group. But the the sense of camaraderie uh, around that was was absolutely fantastic. It was doing something vaguely healthy, which makes a massive change uh, for me. But just doing it with fellow football fans, um, knowing that you're raising money for for a a, a worthwhile charity, was really really good fun. It was a real good wholesome fun and I think that applies to this we know that the trust does incredible work uh, at Watford we know it is reliant on uh, on on fundraising and this is a, a fantastic opportunity we've talked about sort of the things that are potentially difficult as Watford supporters at the moment they're worrying about what the squad's going to look like what the team's going to look like will we go up will we stay down are we in a period of transition how long the owner's going to stay around for yada 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 all the stuff that we worry about as um, as football fans this is an opportunity to get out stretch your legs with people um, that have a shared love of our football club to raise money for the football club that we love I think it's a really really good opportunity to do something fun and worthwhile so we'll be doing it me and you are doing it john we will be making sure as many of our uh, uh fellow from the rookery enders do it as well we will not let them off the hook uh looking at you in particular dcw come on <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke of course um but um there's no way he'd bother to do it yeah no i'm joking that's another joke um so it's just a, it's a really really nice opportunity to spend the day with with fellow watford supporters doing something worthwhile and i would on past experience I would uh, I would definitely recommend it. And just while we're talking about fundraising for the trust, do check out the Stadium for Ants oh, yeah. uh, raffle that is going on at the moment. So if you're not aware of it, we, we will tweet about it um, on, uh, I think this pod will go out on Sunday. So we'll make sure we tweet on Sunday evening, perhaps about this. They are like a, done by an architect called, called David. He's created this miniature replica of of vicarage road stadium and it is absolutely stunning it's genuinely a really unique piece of kit if you haven't seen it just look up stadium france watford stick it into your into your search bar you'll find you'll find images come up about it and th- these things are beautiful absolutely beautiful got working floodlights the attention to detail is incredible and there's only two that are available uh, and there you can only win them by by entering the raffle proceeds to the to the trust it's a it's a a once in a lifetime opportunity to own something that is a beautiful and b really really unique i would i would kill for one they look absolutely stunning so so do check that out that's another opportunity to uh to raise some money for the for the trust and to be in the in the hat to own something a a, a really genuinely unique piece of uh watford memorabilia so check that out just uh, stadium for ants watford just google it you'll find it but we'll tweet about it as well and put it out on our socials on the wsu as we're calling it now yeah the uh if you do want to get in touch and we'll do get involved to say with the taylor trek it is on the 25th sunday the 25th of september uh hopefully be 
a bit cooler by then. Uh, there's an 18 mile, as I said. There's a medium one of eight and a half miles, or there is a family one of three and a half miles. We're going to be doing the 18 miles because um, we're veterans of big long walks now, Mike. Uh, and if you Ooh. want to do it, you have to sign up. It costs you 25 pounds an adult or 10 pounds for an under 18 um, to sign up, and then you, you want you to try and raise 150 pounds uh, for the trust. Uh, and I, apparently, we are going to be sort of doing a route that might sort of bring in some of the the more historic places in Watford's history. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it all happens on the day. So get over to, I think you go, yeah, watfordfc.com. Um, and then if you see the top, I think it says Community Trust or just Google the Taylor Trek. Mike, we are, we've, we've talked about all the possible signings, the, the things we hope happen and the ones we hope don't happen. But we had a, a, a chat on our socials, on the WSU, the, about the, the best <laughs> Watford signing ever. You asked it uh, on uh, on Twitter uh, at Watford Podcast or at Watford Podcast on on Twitter on Instagram and on Facebook. You can uh, yeah you can you you put it out there. There was it's quite interesting reaction. Either there were the, the, the signings that were just legendary that that played really well, but then there were some that very specifically about the amount of money we paid and how good they were. Which one stood out for you? I John Barnes is a massive one for me. Oh yeah, I just just because I mentioned him earlier. I, I, some, I some still see clips of him playing and you just think it's obscene that he played for Watford. It's ridiculous that we managed to pluck him from, from absolutely nowhere and to have him um, for, for the time we did, at the time we did, so instrumental. I think the thing... Max Rushton, of the Talk Sport, put a, um, a tweet out this morning, though, asking about um, strange transfer fees and in the light of Morgan Gibbs-White actually going for what sounds like it'd be 40 million quid in the end. And it still narks me a little bit that John Barnes went to Liverpool for 900,000, though. I know it was a different time and a different era. Um, and we, we got more than our, our fair share of joy and pleasure out of John Barnes. Gavin Smith said, did you hear what Gavin said? Gavin said uh, on Twitter, he said, uh, if, Joe, if anyone thinks Pedro is worth 30 million after 70 games, Barnes would be about 200 million in today's market. But he only went yeah. for £900,000. Yeah, I said to Max on the tweet, he must be worth a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I love this one from Joe Joe Bannister. He said, am I allowed to pretend that Colin Foster, Toby Mooney, Dennis Bailey and Keith Millen were one signing? It felt like it at the time and saved us that year and beyond. And that is right in the sweet spot for me. I was going re- home and away to every game at that stage. Watford really deep in the doo-doo, really, really struggling. And they brought those those guys in, and they they managed to to turn things around for for Watford, despite having Perry Digweed in goal for for several matches. Um, so I, I really really loved that Colin Colin Foster in particular. I think someone mm. uh, Adam followed up and said Adam uh, Adam G followed up and said uh, ninety thousand pound. What a what a signing he was. Peter Ryan he he, he was a very shrewd one. I thought uh, slightly historic, but very very important. Tom Wally, because Tom yeah. Wally played for Watford as a player. Then under GT, he was the man who basically shaped Watford's youth development, uh, and you know he's a major, major part of of that you know that that golden era as we sort of keep referring it to. So that was a really good one. You know, signed as a player, but also as a head coach. The other one, player wise, of course, Deeney, of course, Deeney came up, and everyone's sort of saying you know how much we paid for him, the 400, 400, 500 grand. All comes from Elton's uh, gig that he did. But the other one, which I could, you forget about the, the sort of, in the modern day, the f- players that cost us nothing. Horelio Gomez cost us nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Some pretty it. decent signing. Um, 
Mr. S- Mr. Snodes says um, Etienne Capu. He's been watching since the eighties. You'd say pound for pound, mm. Etienne um, Etienne Capu. Th- this one's an interesting one as well. Sean Kent, and it's not the only person to mention this guy. Ian Bolton bought from Notts County in nineteen seventy-seven by GT for twelve thousand five hundred pounds when we were in Division Four. Uh, Bolton then went on to play in all four divisions, uh, including finishing runners-up to Liverpool in eighty-two, eighty-three. And it's kind of easy to overlook signings like that and we talk about that golden era don't we and I think it's absolutely right that Tom Wally was mentioned that the role he had in terms of shaping not just the the teams and the squads of that era but also the club in itself and helping implement the the ethos that that Graham Taylor had but players like Ian Bolton and and, and players of his type just they they did all the graft that delivered that 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 dream time under under Graham Taylor that almost sort of fairy tale it's taken on sort of mythical um properties now hasn't it we 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 all talk about it all the time but we forget that players had to roll their sleeves up and actually deliver it and um yeah so nice to get a nod uh, a nod for Ian Bolton there you went past Troy Deeney quite quite quickly there uh, John in the week of the Deeney derby I think it's only fair that that we mentioned him properly and especially because this uh, this one comes from Dan Cohen Dan who's been listening to the podcast I think since the very very first mm, one so yeah Dan deserves a, a shout out as cliche as it may sound and understanding that the recency bias in conjunction with me being a 90s baby I struggle to look past Troy Deeney signed for 500,000 left as a true left as a true club legend and bagged an incredible amount of goals uh, plus and I love this bit he's probably done more full from the rookery end interviews than uh, episodes than DCW <laughs> <laughs> it's not far off no <laughs> and, and while we're talking about transfers um, Cameron uh, Cameron Smart said I'll go for one that no one said Richarlison and he's looked at it in terms of a profit uh, you know the, mentioning the, the, the huge Watford uh, the huge profit Watford flipped for, for just signing him in, in a season so yeah you can take that you can take that view can't you Richarlison yes definitely shrewd turns the money around because Paul Furlong signed for £250,000 yeah. scored 37 goals in two seasons and we sold him for £2.3 million, and that paid for the Vicarage Road stand that came from, from Chris so that's like quite a good sort of you know if you talk about it for a business case I think he really is a, a, a good good signing the, uh, Mikey Abrahams, he's been he's very very funny on Twitter. I do recommend recommend you give Mikey uh, a follow. I did enjoy when the news broke of um, uh, Jao Pedro being injured. His uh, his one word response, tonsillitis. Thought that was very <laughs> yeah. That was, um, yeah. <laughs> but Mikey said uh, the best Watford signing, the best signing Watford ever made, has been manscaped. <laughs> Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. So, Michael, two games in a week. Um, I will have to try and follow them from afar, uh, from the Isle of Kos. Midweek, two weeks ago, I would have said it, I really wanted Bio and and uh, Manai to, to get some minutes. They played the full 90 minutes today. I just don't know where we're going to... What, what, how Rob's going to, to approach that game, thinking probably that the QPR game is more, more important, important. And who knows what we've got in terms of squad numbers. You've also given me an opportunity, a belated opportunity to talk about Bayo and, and Manai in a bit more detail because I have to say I was a bit concerned by their performances today. Um, I mentioned Espria playing uh, Manai in for, for a one-on-one and he, he spurned that pretty pretty spectacularly. It, they're, they're both a concern to me. I thought Bayo grew into the game quite nicely, at least, um, and then Geordie pointed this out in the group, at least both of them are getting in 
the the, the positions to miss the chances, <laughs> which I, I guess is something. Um, but as Rob Edwards said, and mention it again, he would have expected at least one of those to go in. So whether it's a case of trying to play those guys into a little bit of form yeah, and a little maybe, bit yeah. of confidence potentially but you know we look at that we look at the squad I mean what's available if the if the question is are we going to mix and match uh, a little bit it's 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 a big question I mean it seems to be almost a given now that the early rounds of the of the league cup are are used for massive uh, squad rotation I guess we will expect no different um yeah just for the for the reasons we've discussed we don't know what the squad's going to look like so I guess we need to protect the ones that we know are going to be playing a few short days later against uh, against Queen's Park Rangers but for me what you want to see is this the one good thing that we've got going for us is this unbeaten run and whilst I know people will dismiss the League Cup for me whenever a Watford side takes the pitch I want to see them I want to see them win it all feeds into the the general feel of of us amongst supporters and and I'm sure it feeds into the the feeling in the in the dressing room so I'd I'd like to see us play a strong side and to to beat Milton Keynes and and to progress but if, if you're asking me what's, what's more important, is it QPR or is it the game against MK Dons in the League Cup? Loath as I am to say, it's it's the it's the, the game in the Championship. But uh, as you, we're going to go back to it, Rob's going to have to roll with the, the punches, see what he's got at his disposal, check in on, on injuries. We know Tom, Tom Cleverly, it sounds like he's going to be out for, for a little while yet. What sort of depth is there? I mean, it's perhaps a, a good opportunity to see players who might be fighting for a position on the on the bench or that have been on the bench to to try and stake a claim um, as we as we look to shape this squad for for the first of September, which is the start of the season for real. There's, there'll be no turning back after after that. So a long way, uh, long winded way of saying I'm not really sure. I just want us to win, John. If that's all right. Okay, let's see how the choices that Rob makes uh, and the choices he's forced to make uh, on Tuesday and, of course, next Saturday at home against Queen's Park Rangers. Thank you very much, Michael. Not at all. Let's stick with it, everyone. It's um, it's it's going to be a bumpy ride, I think, for the for the next uh, ten days. And whenever we do a podcast, we always think, oh, should we hang on a little bit? That this evening, the the news is breaking that it sounds like um, Aston Villa and Ismail Assar might be coming together. Could that in turn? Could we be sort of twisting Villa's arm to, to perhaps let us have Cameron Archer as part of, of that yeah. deal? So I think we can expect a lot of these conversations over, over the next couple of days. Because let's not forget that, yes, clubs want Ismail Asai, yes, clubs want Jao Pedro. Well, there are players... So what are you going to do? What are you going to do for us to to get them? And I think it's panning out as we expected. Perhaps clubs who are having a a more difficult start to the season are thinking, ah, we might need some some recruits here. You'd expect our guys to be to be canny in in these deals, and it's not just about cash. Can we get another player in in return? So we'll be there's going to be plenty of news, I think, in the um, in the coming ten days. But we, we can't shirk away from the fact it's a real it's a real challenge. It's a real challenge for the the recruitment team and for the club to make sure that um, the the squad is is more balanced and and we replace what disappears the best we can. You can't replace them at that level because you just can't replace a thirty million pound player because you'd have to spend thirty million pounds. Um, but you need to replace them with with something that's going to give us a decent chance in uh, in the championship this season. So. Let's not let's not shy away from it. it it's tough. It's uh, they they've said they're going to deliver a side that's going to going to compete. It's uh, it's over to them. 
Uh, fingers crossed that uh, any business is done is good business. Enjoy your week, Hornets. But remember, when it comes around, we've got to get behind it still. Come on, you all!